Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We got business today. FC Live, Ron Kratz, Adam Jones, and Rosenthal joining us soon. John Heyman will join us later. Ryan Helsley will join us later. Actually, very relevant timing. And you know what? I just want to punch a little charge the mound action pretty much right from the jump here since Ken's going to join us in a sec. Very, very timely to have a former um, teammate of Jordan Hicks, a bullpen member, and someone who gets to observe Jordan Hicks now moving to the starting rotation. So uh, let's do this. Kratz, Jordan Hicks getting four years, 44 million bucks. Why not try him out as a starting pitcher? Because you know what? There aren't that many legit starting pitchers in baseball anymore. And the Giants don't really care about starting pitchers. They figure, <laughs> eh, we have a bunch of bullpen guys. So I hope for Jordan Hicks's sake, he got some start some start uh, escalators put into his contract. I, I'm interested. I, just the last, I think this came out a couple minutes ago. I've just been looking at, you know, did he change something with his repertoire? Was there something different? So I want to ask Hell's, I want to ask every one of our 19 guests that we have on today. <laughs> Adam, it's tough to find starting pitching now. This has happened already this offseason. It's funny, on one of my long plane rides recently, I was reading a good article from someone about all of these relievers that he targeted that could be starters in the future. I can get into some of those if we have time at some point. We probably won't. But Reynaldo Lopez signed with the Atlanta Braves, and he's been yeah. starter, then pretty high-end reliever, and now back to starter. So what do you think of Jordan Hicks in that realm? I mean, it's. I mean, it's obviously a gamble because he hasn't started in the major leagues. He's thrown the majority of his innings. I mean, almost all of them as a relief pitcher. Um, but again, you know, if you're able in today's era, if you're able to give a good strong five, um, I think teams are, teams are happy. So, you know, that they might be going for that. But at the same time, I think it's a low risk. If he if he doesn't work out as a starter, it's forty four million over four years. I think that. Uh, if you move him back to the bullpen, back to high leverage, that's where he, I, I think, is the best, best value. Unless, hey, they know something we don't. 
Um, I just think he's very nasty at that bullpen and comes in and gets a, a crazy amount of ground balls. Now, if he's a starter, is he going to throw 104 every pitch or is he going to uh, dumb it down to 98? <laughs> <laughs> dumb it down to 98 still still will work. Like majority of the hours that I'm awake is spent on, on the game, you know? And that is definitely right. the same case with my longtime friend, uh, the New York Post insider, John Heyman, joining us right now from what looks like a nice scene in, I guess, uh, the Florida range. So, John, great to see you in the short sleeves going. I'm, I'm a fan during the wintertime here and a lot of action suddenly. So uh, we haven't spoken to you in a while. So let's go over what's very pressing at the moment. Uh, Marcus Stroman signing with the New York Yankees. What do you think about this deal and the fact that they probably are not going to add a top end starter like a Blake Snell? I'm fine with the deal. I mean, I like Marcus Stroman, really good pitcher, under four ERA, terrific competitor, a defense, a feisty guy. Uh, it'd certainly be good for us in the quotes in the clubhouse, so I like that. It's a plus. But if it means that they're not signing any bells, I, I think that's an issue. I mean, they, they their rotation does not look very sound right now. It's certainly got talent, but, I mean, Rodon, I mean, not only was he hurt last year, he was, frankly, terrible. Uh, Cortez was mostly hurt last year. Uh, Stroman, who's not really been injured much during the uh, career, he's been very good about avoiding that and certainly not really any serious arm injury. He did miss most of the second half last year, majority of it. I mean, he was certainly uh, better than the other two. Uh, Rodon was not good even when he pitched. So, uh, and then certainly have Clark Schmidt, who's a back-end guy, but added Luke Weaver. But to me, it looks like uh, Garrett Cole, and then, you know, you're crossing your fingers after that, so... I'm I'm a fan of the Stroman signing. I'm not a fan of the idea that they're not going to get somebody else. John, how you doing? You looking nice and warm. Look like you probably shot a 95 today. Um. <laughs> okay. I, I, I have never <laughs> shot a 95 legitimately. With cheating, I would shoot a 95. Maybe. <laughs> I have uh, I have a, I have a golf stat for you. They, I've heard only 10 percent of people have legitimately broken 100 in their career. 10 percent. Yeah. Think about that. Now you're, yeah. you guys are you're an athlete, so I mean you you can't even believe it. I'm sure, but I, I do. I, it's uh, there's no way I could break a hundred legitimately. I can break a hundred cheating. Yeah, most people can do that. <laughs> um, is Stroman a difference maker? I, I mean, right now, I I I think he's good. I, I mean, I think he's a really good pitcher. I, you know, Cashman had said in 2019, that's a good word. And I'm sure that's why you picked that word, that he was not a difference maker. And that's why they didn't get him. And I don't know if you guys recall this, but when he was traded to the Mets instead of the Yankees, and this is kind of funny because he's a Long Island guy from way out on the island. Normally that's Mets territory. Uh, he was quite upset to be traded to the Mets instead of the Yankees. He wanted to be a Yankee. And I think that's really the genesis for the rips that he did on the of the Yankees on Twitter. Uh, he was upset that he didn't get to go to the Yankees and he wanted to be a Yankee. Uh, I mean, I, he certainly helps. Uh, you know, difference maker to me, difference maker is uh, Dylan Cease, uh, difference maker is Corbin Burns, uh, difference maker is Blake Snell. Uh, I mean, he's a good pitcher, he certainly will make some difference. Uh, but to me, that rotation just isn't good enough. I mean, this is they got Juan Soto for one year, right? And then he's a free agent. Uh, you want to make this year count. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that with the rotation that they do have. All right. Let's reference this. I think we're going to pull it up here. If we have this tweet about to a tweet or a comment about the Yankees 
the Yankees lineup per not lineup roster per dollars is the least valuable productive lineup in baseball, even lower than the A's. What is your first reaction when you hear that? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wow. Let me clarify. Did I not, a did I not for say you. that right? No, no, you didn't. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to help him out. So this is a super chat from one of our fans. Cause there's like, you know, seven, 800 people watching live right now, just on YouTube alone, John. So, uh, this is from Chris, the Yankees payroll to valuation ratio is the worst in all of baseball, worse than the A's. Yes. You read that right. The Yankees spend a smaller percentage of their total franchise value on players than the A's this is according to Chris. So your thoughts on that? Do you think there's truth to that? And should the Yankees be spending more? That's interesting. I, I mean, they are a team that, uh, you know, spent well over $200 million more than a decade ago, right? So now they're a little bit over $300 million. Um, that probably has not kept pace uh, with their revenues. I mean, I, I couldn't cite exactly what their revenues are, but I, I think they're the highest in baseball. And uh, I think they're way up in the 800 to 900 million range. So uh, I could see that as a possibility. I don't know if this guy has some uh, secret sources or he's uh, stolen some paperwork or what, but, uh, um, you know, it's possible. I mean, certainly the A's, they, they may have no revenue. So, you know, it's probably that, that part of it is understandable, right? If you have no revenue, you know, you are spending a fair amount by spending almost nothing. But, uh, you know, uh, the Yankee payroll is in the top three with the Mets and the Dodgers. And, uh, you know, at, at one point, 10 to 15 years ago, it was clearly number one and their revenue was not nearly as high. So I could see that as a possible uh, issue or thought that it should go higher. But my issue right now is they need to get a, a better rotation because uh, right now it's just not uh, it's not very sound. I mean, I, I can't say it's not talented because obviously Stroman is very talented. So is Rodon and so is Cortez. But uh, it's pretty iffy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I, I get the frustration there from some Yanks fans, John, because they're reminiscing about the days that you're referring to when they're just the big bad Yanks. They are number one payroll year after year. That's not the case. There are other contenders in that field these days. So I'm looking one more time for you on the Stroman signing, and he did finish the year injured. Um, Carlos Rodon was their big free agent starting pitching signing last offseason, hurt. Their big addition before that from the starting rotation was Frankie Montas. So do you think that the Yankees are more aggressive with starters that are coming off injuries and acquiring them? And is that burning them too much lately? They certainly have a problem with injuries, whether it's acquiring guys with an injury question or guys getting hurt once they get to the Yankees. I mean, obviously they signed Garrett Cole to what was a record contract at the time, $324 million, that's a grand slam. He's the best pitcher in baseball. But other than that, uh, their record for signing pitchers over the last several years is not good. And the record for signing anybody, requiring anybody over the last three years has been, frankly, terrible. I mean, 
I mean, I think it's great that they figure 82 and 80 is a disaster. So that tells you something about where they stand and where they want to stand. But their record on acquisitions in the last three years is not good uh, for pitchers, for hitters. And the record for keeping guys healthy is abysmal. Um, you know, I mean, there were questions about Montas before they signed him. Uh, Stroman, I'm not that worried about. Uh, he has not had a long history of arm issue. I think he had a rib thing for the most part in the second half last year. So uh, that one doesn't bother me from an injury standpoint. The only thing that bothers me is that, was it either or? I mean, we're either going to get Snell or Stroman. I mean, Snell, NL Cy Young winner. Stroman, 7 ERA over the last three months of the season. I mean, it wasn't a lot of innings, but... I mean, I think Stroman overall is a good pitcher, but that's not an either-or question for the team with the highest revenue in baseball. You get Stroman, and then you move on and try to improve again. How is the dynamic going to be, too? Because Blake Snell never put any tweets out about Brian Cashman comments. Stroman has taken his down. Is there going to be – I get it, it was three, four years ago, but is there going to be any clash there? Is this something that was already talked about? How is this going to play out here for this season? Because you already have a guy in Alex Verdugo who comes with a little bit of baggage on the roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume they have to get past that. I mean, they signed him. They're giving him $37 million with a vesting option. Uh, they can't really think of that as anything important. If they did, they wouldn't have signed him. Uh, you know, and, and in some sense, I give Greg Cashman credit for having a thick skin. Obviously, he has to. He's basically getting killed by the fans every day for the last year. Uh, and again, they went 82 and 80. It's not like they were really terrible or really disastrous. Uh, I mean, they have looked past stuff. Remember when before they acquired Josh Donaldson, he made a comment about uh, Garrett Cole being the biggest sticky stuff guy. And, uh, you know, I think they just go by the talent generally, and they, they think they can uh, survive with uh, – Whatever character, I mean, obviously there's some limit on the character, but, uh, you know, they think they can get past uh, an issue like that, whether it be a clash or something like that. Obviously, there are some big issues they want to avoid, and they've, they've avoided those really big issues. And I heard you guys interviewing Ken earlier. Uh, they've avoided those, but it seems like they're willing to uh, kind of butt heads a little bit with each other once in a while and, you know, try to resolve things. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. And, uh I don't think Stroman is a bad guy. I think he's a guy who's very opinionated. Uh, sometimes he goes a little bit overboard, uh, but I don't think he's going to be a real negative in the clubhouse. I think he sells the game and he sells his brand, and I think we need more of that, and he's not afraid to do yeah. it. So let's yeah. shift all the way out to the West Coast. Is Jordan Hicks overrated, making mm -hmm. him overpaid? Or because when you look at a Ronaldo Lopez signing – you know, what he's done, he's kind of on this trajectory, but Jordan Hicks has always been 105-mile-an-hour sinker, but the numbers aren't quite there in the aspect of a $11 million reliever, and now he's a starter. Yeah, I mean, he's got that big arm, so the Giants are going to take a chance that they can turn him into a starter and get a bargain that way. Uh, I, you know, I'm not so sure this is a great idea. I mean, obviously, he's had a lot of injury questions. He obviously has a big arm, uh, and, but he has not really performed to the level of the arm, uh, even beyond the injury questions. Uh, it's a great job by the agency to get that contract for him, and maybe the Giants see something. And again, the, the Braves, maybe they see something in Lopez. I, I kind of think that's a gamble as well. I mean, Lopez may be in a better trajectory, but... Uh, he hasn't really lived up to his 100-plus mile-an-hour throwing either. I think they're 
somewhat similar. So I'm, gl I'm glad you put them together. I think they're kind of in the same ballpark in terms of incredible talent, big arm, really hasn't performed to the level of that arm or that talent. There's another big arm in the, at the back end of the bullpen who has performed, Josh Hader. Um, yeah. Haven't heard much about him. Uh, I know obviously he's probably going to be seeking Edwin Diaz style contract because the numbers say he should. Um, what's been the latest on him? Yeah, I mean, it's been very quiet. Um, you know, it doesn't mean nothing's going on. I, I do think he has been the best reliever in the game. Um, you know, obviously started with your Orioles, but uh, made his name with the Brewers and was really good last year with the Padres. Uh, maybe one of those two Oriole relievers was as good or better, but basically was one of the top three or four relievers in the game. Devin Williams also with Milwaukee, the guy who replaced them very good. But, you know, one two ERA last year. He should get uh, Edwin Diaz money. He's had a better career than Edwin Diaz. Diaz had that big year, uh, big platform year with 18 strikeouts per nine innings or so uh, record. And that explains that to some degree. And I think he signed for $102 million, but with the deferrals, it was like $94 million. Uh, You know, to me, Hayter is worth that. So we'll see what happens in the end. But, I mean, if Jordan get, Hicks gets $44 million, I mean, certainly Hayter is worth more than double. I mean, maybe that's a funny way to – to calculate, but, uh, you know, I still think that uh, the Dodgers, the Rangers, the, the Cubs, I like the Phillies, although I think they're looking at right-handed. Maybe they'll go for Stevenson. I think they were in on Hicks. I'm not going to rule out the Yankees. Uh, as the, uh, what the viewer said, uh, they have big revenue, and they should be spending more. And uh, right now their bullpen doesn't look spectacular either. It looks better than the rotation, but uh, couldn't hurt if they signed him. So uh, there are a number of reasonable options, logical options for Hayter, and to me, deserves to be the highest paid reliever uh, in the game. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's Hayter and Stevenson, but where does Hector Neris, a very yeah. consistent, older arm, where does he fit into this? It seems super quiet. I, like, I haven't heard, I even yeah. had to ask if he had signed yet or not. Yeah, no, I think, you know, the numbers, his numbers have been good, and he's been consistent. You're absolutely right, Eric. Uh, he's a really good pitcher. I think teams go by those secondary numbers, like the velocity and the exit velocity against him and different numbers that we maybe don't see as much, and those weren't as good. So, yes, I think it has been very quiet with Neris. He has been a very good pitcher. Uh, you know, to me, I, I'd be a, a guy who pays on performance, and his performance has been really good, I think. Some of these guys, Hicks included, are paid on potential. Rather have a guy paid on performance, and it would be cheaper anyway. I mean, obviously, you know, Hicks does have that big arm, that big potential, but Neris, to me, could be a very good deal for somebody. Uh, John, I'll finish with this. So who do you think needs to strike from a team perspective with still quite a few agent, free agents left to be signed, including at the top of the market. You know, I, I think we've talked quite a bit about San Francisco. They do pick up another piece. I think they yeah. should and still will do more. Uh, the Cubs just woke up the other day, right before Cubs Fest. That was good timing for them. But what do you think when you're looking out at the teams? Like, who do you think's going to spend, you know, maybe a couple hundred million bucks over the next couple of weeks? Because that is going to be spent somehow or another. Right. Well, I think you, you named the two top teams, the Giants and the Cubs. Those are the teams probably will spend. If you ask me who should spend, I kind of like the Red Sox who should spend, right? They finished last three or four years. Their revenues are huge, maybe not quite the Yankees or the Dodgers, but they're pretty high up there. They're certainly in the top five in baseball. So I kind of 
think that the Red Sox have been in on everybody. I liked some of their deals. I like Tyler O'Neill. I think Grissom's going to be really good. Um, I think Giolito can bounce back. But to me, uh, you know, they're acting more like a mid-market team. But I, the teams that I think still have more in them and, and are, will be aggressive are the Cubs and the Giants. And I think both teams have been in on Bellinger and, and Chapman. And, you know, we'll see on Snell. I would think the Giants would be on them. I don't, I don't think you can assume Hicks is going to be a great starter. And let's not well, let's take Hicks, not Snell. That's kind of like the Yankees. Let's take Stroman, not Snell. I don't quite get that. So, and the Giants have been an aggressive team. I mean, they're, they've done great from a business standpoint. They have tried to spend. They haven't always spent, but they've tried to spend. And I, I think they will continue to try to spend. But I, I think, uh, Scott, you got the two teams right. I think the Giants and the Cubs are the teams left that will spend the most. It was five weeks left before spring training. What do you think my Orioles are going to do? You think they're going to uh, spend, spend some, either spend money, spend some of the players, the prospects? What do you see them doing before the start of spring training? Well, starting pitcher, I mean, they should be in the best position to get Cease. Now, I'm not sure Cease is going to be traded during the season. They may end up keeping him and uh, seeing how he does. Obviously, he didn't have his best year last year. Maybe his value would actually go up uh, if they traded him at the deadline. But Cease is certainly a guy the Orioles have been connected to. That would be the most exciting piece for them. Uh, I'm sure that they, the White Sox would like Westberg and others. But the Orioles have terrific prospect capital to spend. So, uh, if anybody should get Cease, it's them. If they're not able to do that, I, I think they've been connected to Paxton, maybe Ryu, something like that. I know uh, last year they signed Gibson when we were all looking for them to do something bigger. Uh, they're not signing Snell and they're not signing Montgomery uh, unless the price really caves, which it won't. Uh, but they, they definitely are going to add a starting pitcher, whether it be the top guy, Cease, or more of a mid-range guy at this point like Ryu or Paxton. All right, this is the last one and we'll let you go. The Marlins, do they trade Luis Arise or Jesus Lazardo, which you just talked about the Orioles. Yeah. I think that'll be a nice fit for yeah. them because they just need any kind of starting pitcher. But do either one of those guys get traded? Wait, hold up. Are the Marlins rebuilding? I'm sorry. I, I have to jump in here. The Marlins I, don't know. make money. Are, are they rebuilding yeah. again? Did they even I, build up to anything? What are we doing? I don't know if they're rebuilding, but I've heard everything is on the table. Does that mean that they're just – switching people around and getting a diff different players with the same payroll, or does that mean they're rebuilding? They haven't really clarified it, but we know from other teams that everything is on the way. Everything, I mean, not Yuri Perez, they're not trading him, Sandy Alcantara, he's not going anywhere, but everything else is on the table from what people say, and I, whether I, you know, I mean, that would include a rise. So I, I think everything is out there. I don't think a rise will get traded, but I wouldn't put it past them. I, I do think that one of the pitchers will get traded, whether it's Lazardo or Cabrera. Maybe more likely Cabrera. I mean, Lazardo, three years to go. I mean, he's got big value, and uh, that would be a little bit of a gamble to do that. They obviously have a lot of pitching capital, which allowed them to trade Pablo Lopez uh, last winter. It's still a controversial trade, but obviously Lopez was great. Arise was great. Uh, but Lopez isn't going anywhere. Arise, you've got a new regime in there now. They may not think... Uh, the value is quite as high on a rise as the previous regime. And uh, I'm not going to put it past them to trade him, but I think more likely they would trade Luzardo or Cabrera. Are they rebuilding? That's a, that's a question for them. I don't know the answer. They're talking about everybody. I can tell you that. Ugh, John, I know because you're in somewhere in that area. And, you know, I spent a lot of time down there. I'm very frustrated, very frustrated as they're trying to reset again and become the Rays. And uh, you, you're obvious with the Peter Bendix hire. That's fine. But, uh 
I need 30 minutes for a therapy session on that. And I know you got to jump. Go break some news for us. John, thank you so much. And just for everyone else uh, to see again, John Heyman, obviously you can follow him on Twitter, but check out all his articles, including his latest notes column in the New York Post and his show actually this week, the show with John and Joel Sherman has David Stearns on there. So, which is great. I have some weekend material to listen to. So John, do a great job there. Thank you so much. Good to see it. All right. Great to see you guys. See Eric, Adam. Scott, great talking to you as always. Cheers. Thanks, John. John Heyman with us on FT Live. Good stuff. Um, so next in about 10 minutes, by the way, for everyone, Ryan Helsley will join us and give us more context on Jordan Hicks. And does he think that he can properly convert back to starting pitcher and become a full-time starter or whatever they're going to call it? You know, they have different names for starters sometimes in San Francisco. Um, but let's spend a few minutes on some money moves, the Abed MGM lines for you have to do with first off news with the Atlanta Braves, and then we'll look at their World Series odds. Alex Anthopoulos is at it again. It's extension season. This time, it's himself <laughs> <laughs> through at least 2031. 2031. Wait, That's big. That's what? long. That is really long. Good so, what is it? It's 2024. It's an eight-year, eight-season, eight-season. He's locking damn self up. How do you how do you go <laughs> through those contracts? You'd be like, look, and I, my, I've been good. My perform, my team's been good. I deserve a seven-year extension. Like this, <laughs> he's like, you get an extension. You get an extension. You get an extension. He's doing my turn. He's he's doing the two for you, two for you, one for me, two for you, one for me, three for me, five for you. Top three. But see, if a contract extension office, like this exactly. comes out, yeah, yeah, but like, why, why don't we know about like the financials? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely seven figures. Let's just be honest with you. So he's a general manager for a, for a team. Like, we never know about their financials. Ours is blasted over on on the bottom line of it. You're making fourteen point two five five six five one dollars per year. You're right. I when think our next GM comes on, when our next GM comes on, on, we'll ask him. What you make? Won't answer. Yep. How much you, like like when you go and talk to a fourth grade class, how much money do you make? Ah, uh, the teacher's like, oh, that uh, that's not a good question. <laughs> nah, it's a good question now. Yeah, exactly. We, we need to normalize that in baseball. I think it's important in baseball because, yeah, GM's front office leaders, the good ones, are getting paid, paid. Is he Spolstra? Managers need to get paid more. Who? Oh, Eric Spolstra. Oh, Spolstra. What was the number? What was the final number for him? Spolstra. Adam, you're getting a little, Adam's a little, a little weird on kids, us. Kids are on the Wi-Fi. switch. 102. 102. Oh. 102. 8102. Wow. So we publicized Craig Council's deal. That was a good start, right, to try and get managers back on track. Uh, five years, $40 million. I guarantee you that Alex Anthopoulos is making much more. Adam, he gone. But um, – <laughs> That's a long deal, and the Braves are that team because anybody that they truly value, they sign for a long period of time if they will accept a contract like that, and that includes their president of baseball operations. And Kratz, I don't think anybody can doubt that he is in the top three. Nobody can doubt that. You You want to say he's not number one? You want to say someone like Andrew Friedman right now? Okay, but and I don't really care, but I'm just saying, like this is one of the top few front office executives in the sport. So if you're going to give out a ridiculous contract and a long one, this is a guy who deserves it. He's young, he's passionate. 
Like he, he still is going to work through that contract. No doubt about it. I don't, I don't know. What is he maybe in his mid forties? Like that, that's no big deal. And he gets to plant down with his family in one spot and have the continuity too, which is important. Clearly it's important when Shohei Otani has a clause in his contract mm-hmm. that says if the owner or the GM slash Povo, whatever the job is, I guess technically he's president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman. If either of them leave, Shohei Otani can opt out of his contract. That should show you what the importance level is for somebody that's that talented at their job and how important it is for players too, right? Like I'm sure the Braves players are like, cool, we got a dude that knows what he's doing running the ship for a while. It matters because you're setting a culture. Who did we talk about? After we talked about Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, after you talked about the players, yeah, Bochy got some love. But see why? Chris Young got a lot of credit for building this team, but also building the idea of what it takes to win a championship. Alex Anthopoulos is doing the same thing. I saw him in his younger days of being a GM, and we had it out. We had a very deep heart-to-heart where I did most of the yelling and he did most of the listening. And to see where he's at now, there is, there's not many GMs that, like you said, I would say, yeah, great job. This is perfect, perfect distance of time. This is a perfect length of contract. Good for him. He deserves it. He has done things on different spectrums too. People will say, oh, he's got a, he inherited all these young, good players. He has, but he's also convinced them to stay in Atlanta. He's won a world championship. They're probably going to fight for more of them over the next five to seven years because of the different things that he's done. And he's still building it in a unique way when teams would be like, ah, you know what? I don't really need to do anything. We're really good. Now, on the other end of that, I I feel like we need to bring these contracts out more to the public because there are some baseball jobs that are super valuable and very time consuming and directly contribute to winning. And those people don't get that much money relative to what the sport looks like you know what i'm saying it i mean it's got it's kind of I, I don't know exactly what you're saying but the managers the managers other, other front office members assistant coaches oh. like all of those roles i think some people sometimes oh think gosh. like oh well they're in baseball they get paid well i'm like most of them don't relative and it's all to, one-year contracts they're one-year contracts yeah. they're often you know not six-figure deals and there's people that are spending literally their entire day there. And I get it. It's baseball. It's fun. But you can't say, oh, that's just how it is. They chose to be in baseball because they're like, there's plenty of money to go around. It's just not going around because the standard's been set and they keep those salaries as secretive as possible. So at some point, I feel like that dam will break. We had a great combo with Derek Johnson, who uh, runs the Reds pitching, the pitching coach there about this. Remember, Eric? I don't know if Adam was there, but it was... I was. It was informative. You were on that one too? Yeah, he was on that one. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's great to hear that because, you know, you hear, again, you, you go to the minor league cities and been to minor league parks, whatever. You go out, whatever. You, people think, oh, you're a professional baseball player. You make a lot of money. Whew. I, I mean, me, I was fortunate to be a first-round pick, but, I, again, seeing the four-year college guys, seeing the guys with $100,000 of debt, you know, there's such a bigger story. And, you know, I think when you see the stories of the guys, you see it every Christmas of the guy who got to the major leagues or got a contract and able to retire his parents, pay off his parents' debt. Like those are genuine tears because they the parents know that you, no one does that. You die with those bills. But you know, if you're able to be the one percent of this game, 
And then the point zero 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 one percent of that that is able to make a substantial living, like it's such a blessing. It's so hard. And again, on that side, also, you see why coaches don't retire. You know, I had Wayne Kirby for a long time. He's he's out now. But why would a coach retire? You're getting a substantial salary. You got kids, so you're getting that insurance. Oof, that's the number one thing I figured out once you retire. God damn, that insurance bill's high. Um, but it's like these are all the things that you never think about. You're like, so the Yankee, I mean, the, the Cardinals coaches, I'm like, dang, why ain't they retiring? Well, they make a six-figure salary. I don't know. But they're getting one full share for a decade straight. I ain't retiring either. I'll dig it. I'll, I'll flip to Pujols and Ray Langford and all them dudes back in the day to get to get on that and you know you that's why you see it and it's a blessing to to be able to do it and it's hard to sustain and to be in this game and to be good at your job for a long time and again it's different at the front office especially when you got power but to be to still be good it's still hard so kudos to him and kudos to chris young who you mentioned who both these guys have baseball people around them but then they got baseball players around them so they have the perfect mix and a quick review of the odds from last year for the Atlanta Braves. So they essentially entered the season at plus 750. They displayed their dominance over the year. And by mid-July, which is when we're judging about the midway point of the season, they were plus 375. And then heading to the playoffs, they were plus 250. I think a lot of a lot of dough was put down on the Braves to win the World Series, Kratz. I think the Braves and the Phillies got a lot of love on the National League side, and uh, we know who won. As it kept going on, they got a lot of love. But I'm actually kind of surprised by that plus 750. Like, that shows what that offense did throughout the entire year. Going all the way into the last game of the season, you're like, oh, man. I mean, Acuna just never stopped. And it was like, yes, he's the MVP, but there's other dudes in that in that lineup that – just had career years. What did they have? Six All Stars, seven All Stars in their lineup. It was, it was wild, wild. And I, I expect those odds to be right around that plus three fifty by the time the season starts. So to see that plus seven fifty is that's high. I don't, I don't remember it being that high. Yeah, but they have the Dodgers now to mess with. And there's yeah, serious there's cash going down on the Dodgers right now. I know. I'm. I'm just saying. I'll take the, the Dodgers field. didn't look like this last year. I know you'll take the field, but I'm saying this is why it's a little bit different coming into this season. Right now, as I have it, Dodgers are at plus three seventy five, and the Braves are at plus seven hundred. Hey, so it gets it gets higher than I thought. It gets higher than I thought at the beginning of the year. And the Yankees are third at plus 900. Interesting. I would not touch that. Mm. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, quick look at the million-dollar playoff football challenge going on right now. BetMGM Sportsbook account holders who create an entry in that challenge have an opportunity to win a share of a million dollars in bonus bets if you predict the three playoff football questions correctly out of the eligible users. Each entry period has three questions. You log into your account. You go to the promo tab on your account and come complete can i say complete complete and submit uh the challenge one entry per customer permitted per entry period gambling problem or concern call 1-800-GAMBLER we're going to talk to ryan questions. helsley soon what's up they're easy questions if you go on there they are easy, easy questions. questions you're right but you got to nail win? Them. Yeah. who's gonna win each of these three games in the wild card like 
It's it, you're not you're not asking. You know, it's not smarter than a fifth grader question. So it is, get on there, do it. It is worth a shot. Yes. Uh, until Ryan Helsley joins us, um, we got all those arbitration numbers finalized. So. Did anything stand out to you guys? I thought the one tweet from a guy who I, I usually follow who sometimes puts out some fire, uh, Matthew Pouliot, he said that he thinks the guys at the top of the market should be pushing the envelope a little bit more in terms of what they're asking for. You know? No? Do you disagree? So Shohei Otani got 30. That set the record. Soto got 31. I got to look back at what Pete Alonso ended up with. It was 20-something, right? 20. Low 20s? I thought, 20, 20, 20 I thought he got 20. I thought he got 20 even. 20 and a half. 20 and a half. 20 and a half. Yeah, 20 and a half. That's the number. And then he's a free agent after this season as well. But he, here's what Matt said. For the 23rd year in a row, I really wish players would be more aggressive in our basks. Alonzo is settling for less than George Springer got with five years of service time four years ago. And arbitrators have always loved RBIs, which I think is funny that they don't know shit. So they're like, cool RBIs, which I love, but they like, they haven't really kind of advanced themselves into learning much more. So anyway, you're, you're shaking your head though, Kratz. You don't think they should be pushing it a little bit more? What do they have to lose? I'm all about pushing it. What do they have to lose? They have a lot to lose. If you push it, like look at Adolis. Adolis Garcia's difference is like what? 1.9 million. Yeah. That's a lot to lose. Like I get it. Guys are talking about 20 million. He's talking about the top of the market guys who you're talking about. Like, how much do you want him to push? How much more do you want Juan Soto, who is, I'm going to probably get roasted for this. He's not a better player than Shohei Otani. So he got to get roasted for that. (laughs) I mean, people are going to be like, oh, he's the best hitter ever. And they're not going to remember the fact that Shohei Otani, as I, said is the best player in the game by far, but nobody wanted to agree with me. Everyone wanted to say Acuna, but anyway, Juan Soto <laughs> got a million more just, uh-huh. just a year later. So to me, I think how, how much more do you want to push it? Because if you put, if you don't push it, let's say Juan Soto goes and says, I want 33 million Yankees say, okay, well, we think you're worth 29. They're going to give you, they're going to, they're, it's going to be hard to persuade the arbiter because he's not looking at different, he or she is not looking at all this emotional stuff. They're just looking at the numbers and saying, no, we're going to get, we're going to give you what you give you. Now, now he's, now he's downgraded the market. To me, players need to incrementally grow, go up just like owners want to incrementally slowly keep it as low as possible because owners are going to be there 10 years from now. Players will not be. The next player will be there. And so if they keep it incrementally low, then they're winning in the long term. But players need to just slowly incrementally stay the course, continue to pump it up, and guys lose all the time when they go too high. True. You got you to get that midpoint. If you can find that midpoint, that always works. Um, like you said, if if you're with Soto at, at that number, like you're fighting for a small percentage. Um, if you are, you know, like a Dulles of million, million nine, that's a big difference. That's a big In five and yeah. six point. That's a big difference. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if many people know about arbitration hearings. I remember one, um, it, was, it was my boy Alejandro Daza. 
he he was it was five million and five five and i'm sitting there like bro don't go five is plenty and he's like poppy i need that 500 i'm like hey do what you got to do he came back head down and was like poppy they ripped me a new one i didn't know i was so bad of a player i was i was me and after me and delman or something we were laughing so hard because we know the arbitration process and like you see with corbin burns there was hush hush on that he got it done knocked it knocked it away so um, sometimes you just want to avoid it. And then again, when you're, uh, almost 2 million apart on, and you're under 10 million. Oh yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta fight for that. Now, if you're talking 15, eight and 16, nine, all right, we can, we can figure that. We can figure it out real quick. Yeah. I want to ask Bernsey about his number. It's like 15,637,500. I'm like, did, he did needs he like, that five hundred too. Five hundred dollars. That's what. That's what. I wish. I wish he'd be like five hundred and two dollars. Sixty-three cents. We're not going to have time to cover this because we're going to talk to Helsley in ten seconds, and then um, we're going to jump. But we'll talk obviously more on Monday. But look up the case of Casey Mize because they're going to they're going to arbitration court over twenty-five Gs, which is insane. <sighs> insane uh, and and he's barely over the league minimum oh mark and he was God. a number one pick and he has pitched not like he hasn't pitched at all anyway we don't have time for that uh let's slap hands all right so clarification here and we appreciate the super chat chris obviously if anyone wants to Throw a little love our way. We're always here for it. Got a lot of hard workers going on here on, on a daily basis. It, it all counts. Chris said, just wanted to clarify his comment from earlier when he was talking about the Yankees payroll um, in relation to what the franchise value is. He said, I divided total payroll on spot track by franchise valuation. According to Forbes, Yankees are 30th. I get that. I, I get what Chris is saying on that front. So, um, and I think for team valuations, it's not all directly correlated to revenue. Like the Yankees are the Yankees. So you're going to probably, if they somehow went on the market crats, you're probably going to add a billy or two just based on the fact that who the hell ever gets to buy the Yankees, right? That is one of the most ultimate flexes on the planet if you're a billionaire. But but I get what he's saying. And I agree. I've been on their case for the last couple of years where I'm like, they're up here, but they're not up here anymore. They, they don't swing around like they're at another level. They're they're among the upper tier teams. I don't think they need to. I don't think they need to because of the stipulations that are out there. I'm not just going to go and just spend. I don't care if you're rich or poor. You're not just going to go and spend money because you can. You're going to spend money in the areas. And I think they've done a great job of building their farm system. Yes, we can have conversations about that different stuff, but not just – don't just flex it uh, ignorantly. Don't just flex your money ignorantly because just because you have it. Like it shows. Look what happened to Mets last year. It's that's not the end all be all. Is to just spend the money. So they're never going to be that valuation is never going to equal it because their valuation is just going to continue to explode. Just add a couple billies to it. Yeah, no big deal. Easily the most iconic baseball. Uh, brand. I mean, I've, all these places I travel to, people have New York hats on. That that hat is iconic. The I love New York shirt. That that slogan's iconic. I mean, their brand is worldwide. I think uh, you know the Dodgers just expanded into obviously into Asia. 
But you go anywhere literally on the globe, that Yankee hat is prevalent. Then, then honestly, it's Boston's. Honestly. It's- well, the, the Dodgers now own, you know, baseball Japan. Japan. I mean, how can yes. you not? Right. That's well, well, Godzilla still has something to say. Tanaka has something to say. Those two guys have something to say. Um, There's still Ichiro loyalists in Seattle. You still have those. But all those people now are 55, 60 years old. This whole new generation of baseball players, it is Yamamoto, Otani, um, Singa, and Yoshida. It is all those guys. And, uh, you know, they're they're repping, and I love it. The third, when I played for the Yankees, the third, they were the third highest. It's not Q rating, but it's a long, because that's on a personal level, is they have the largest reach of any company or individual in America when they did an advertising type of reach research. It was whoever the president of the United States is at the time, Disney. And then the Yankees. Wow. Jeez. More than all of the other teams? More than football like teams? Like McDonald's? Impressive. More than football More teams. Than McDonald's? A worldwide, <laughs> a worldwide reach. Hey, the Yankees have good food, too. I will give them that. They crush Ooh. it on, oh, on the yeah. spread. Not even yeah. just for players, for fans. Like they, They've got it going on the food spectrum really everywhere wherever you're sitting whatever kind of part of yankee stadium you're at all right i gotta jump in a sec so kratats what do you got (laughs) perfect timing wow did they sign someone today my ex-teammate 2014 buffalo bison i was either gonna wear my bison hat or my yankees hat stroh show coming to new york his brand his ofos whatever his shoe brand is called this man is going Hugo. to blow that brand up, and it is going no better place to blow it up than in New York. That's gonna it's gonna explode. And if there's a guy in baseball that can take advantage of it, this is the entrepreneur we need. Big time. And uh, Johnny in the chat, what time is Hammond coming on? Johnny, you missed it, but good news. You can rewind on YouTube, and we'll post it, obviously, either today or tomorrow on the podcast. Good reminder for everyone, too. We appreciate you. Smash the likes. I don't say this often, but we appreciate all of our fans. And also on the podcast, if you want to leave a rating or review, that would be cool, too, to say what's up. Um, Adam, Eric, and AJ with us and me on Monday for MLK Day. Ron Washington's going to join us. We'll get another guest or two lined up. We'll get some big ones, all right? I'm pumped for Wash. So see everyone Monday. Uh, Happy weekend.